And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. The Athletic This is Talk of the Devils, the Athletics podcast dedicated to Manchester United. I'm Ian Irving and we're literally straddling the globe on this show to celebrate Manchester United once again being the greatest team on planet Earth because they've won a pre-season friendly 4-0 against Liverpool. As Andy Mitten has already said, we just report the facts. I don't think anyone is getting carried away though, are they? To be fair, and Eric Ten Hag was very candid and grounded with his comments post-match, but we'll talk about the game, we'll talk about the magical mystery tours that Andy Mitten has been on to get over to Bangkok. Um, Laurie's been out and about as well in Thailand and Carl and I have just been watching football so we can reflect on the pre-season friendly that was Manchester United 4, Liverpool 0. So it's a good morning to Carl Anker in Manchester. Good morning, Carl. Good morning, mate. It's a good afternoon, I think, to Laurie Whitwell and Andy Mitten in Bangkok. Gentlemen, good afternoon. Afternoon, it's just gone 2pm and me and Andy have both been eating the same thing as our final, well my final meal in, in Bangkok because I've got a flight straight after this. I had a Thai green curry, what was yours Andy? I had a, a Thai green curry about 10 minutes ago. There we ago. go. So cliched, both of you. <laughs> Shouldn't you be eating Thai red curries following Manchester United? Good point, good point. Minus one MUFC point for that. 4-0 though, Laurie. I don't know what we expected, I don't know what we should draw from it necessarily, considering how many changes Liverpool had to make and the fact that they are further behind Manchester United in their pre-season preparations. But, pretty good that, wasn't it? So you're not counting that as the first trophy for Manchester United in five years? Well, I've seen the trophy. It's like a stadium and a car and and all sorts all rolled into one. It looked like a very impressive thing. There was lots of ticker tape on that plinth in the stadium last night. It 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 was pretty, yeah. Pretty spectacular. Stockholm Reloaded, was it? I've still got fond <laughs> memories of jumping up and down with my dad in the Friends Arena, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, listen, it's, it's quite you know fun, isn't it, to joke about? But at the same time, 4-0 win over Liverpool, you know, you, you can enjoy that. You're allowed to enjoy that. Um, same time, no one's getting carried away. There was obviously mistakes, as Eric Ten Hag mentioned afterwards. But more than that, there was kind of encouragement, wasn't there, from the fact that you saw Marcus Rashford on the left, Jaden Sancho on the right doing what you thought they could do when Ole Gunnar Solskjaer signed Jane Sancho and that was the kind of original plan, you know, intensity with their pressing, um, also getting uh, chances, uh, creating chances. I think Jane Sancho really did, did stand out though, I mean, um, he seems to like really enjoy himself. At one point he controlled Luke Shaw's crossfield pass with his back heel, which was a ridiculous piece of skill, um, which I absolutely loved up in the stands. And then the fact that Bruno Fernandes was actually playing these Hollywood passes and they were coming off. The fact that Anthony Martial was actually doing some pressing. You know, me and Andy have always spoken about the fact that he, you know, shone at the Etihad in March 2021 and we've kind of been clamouring for that again. It's a pre-season friendly. He came off holding his hip grimacing, but that was still quite nice to see. Um, so yeah, I, I thought, you know, more than anything, it was just a nice confidence boost for people. Also, a couple, a couple of mentions to the two young lads, Charlie Savage and Zidane Iqbal, in midfield against Naby Keita, Fabinho, 
and uh, Thiago. Uh, Thiago, there we go. The first choice Liverpool midfield, and they more than held their own, did really well, so that encouragement for them. Um, but I think the main thing that you can draw from this kind of match and this pre-season tour is, can Eric Ten Hag get his message across through to the players? It seems like he is doing so. And can they build a bit of confidence you know, in the team? And again, that first match is, is a good indication. We were really fortunate to get open training session and we'll, we'll probably get onto that a little bit more, but the fact that you could see in person Eric Ten Hag getting in the mix on the, the, the coaching, the drills, and telling people when it was wrong and what he wanted, that was really good to see. So and I think a lot of the players have kind of responded well to that. I think in addition to what Laurie said, and I, I'm nodding here in agreement when he's talking, we could mention Eric Bailly. I thought he had um, a, a, a good game. Um I think we should mention the fans as well. Over 50,000 people. wasn't a sellout, uh, but it's still a huge crowd. Probably wasn't a sellout because ticket prices were extremely high for the average Thai person. So that meant that the type of people in the stadium uh, were upper, upper middle classes. Um, but it was an enjoyable evening. And the scoreline means that we can smile today. Manchester United 4, Liverpool 0. I don't know how Liverpool didn't score. It was against three different Liverpool teams, but Liverpool are not, not my focus. I'd probably say, to be fair, Liverpool, there were slightly more Liverpool fans in the stadium than Manchester United fans. And that was also true in uh, Michigan in 2018. And that's probably because Liverpool have got the edge over Manchester United at the moment. Eric Ten Hag said there were mistakes. Well, there's mistakes in every football match because if there, if there weren't, then they'd, then they'd end nil-nil. But his demeanour was pretty expressionless and he's certainly not getting carried away with it. He's all about the football at the moment. Uh, like Carl and Laurie, I'm hearing good things about him on the training ground. His absolute focus is on, on the football. Um, this tour is happening for football, but also for commercial reasons. And I'm getting good vibes off him. I had absolutely brilliant vibes off Louis van Gaal when he first came. So we'll, we'll, we'll probably say 15 times in this podcast that we're not getting carried away. We aren't getting carried away, are we, Andy? But we're all smiling. And why can't we smile, you know? Because I was in the away end at Anfield in April and it was absolutely horrific. And that was a league game. It was more important. But far better us speaking here after a 4-0 win than a 4-0 defeat. Someone inside the club said to me four days ago, we could get tanked by Liverpool in Bangkok. And that didn't happen. Some really good goals. Um, I thought the goal where Eric Bailly broke and played him uh, Palestre, he was very quick running with the ball, and Ahmad was fantastic. I was just laughing at that in the stands. I don't know what you thought, Andy, but the sight of Eric Bailly just deciding all of a sudden I'm going to go for it. I just started I laughing. I wanted him to get on the end of it. I couldn't believe that. He I was in the box, wasn't he? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, never mind. It was a great goal, like you say. Carl, you had a different view like I did uh, to the lads over in Thailand, but we're probably maybe better place to, to look at the system um, at home in a sense because you've got that detachment from the atmosphere and everything else. Our view is a little bit more cold. So what did you make of your first sight of Eric Ten Hag's Manchester United? I really enjoyed it. And I know we're all going to say we don't want to get carried away. but We're not getting carried away, Carl. <laughs> we're not getting carried away. That's five or six now. But I'm, I'm, we're not getting carried not getting away, carried are we, away. mate? I'm no. going to say just a little bit for the listeners that maybe want to get carried away a little bit. And yeah, okay. I enjoyed watching Manchester United. Great and point. I haven't enjoyed watching Manchester United since March? April, Even March? Maybe this year? What? 
That was the sort of. I mean, what happened in way, March? Way before that, surely. What, the Brentford game? I went, okay, that's that's that, that's all right. And that was January. Do. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's been that it's long, Carl. Yeah. <laughs> it's that long. So I, I, I watched the game in Tib Street Tavern in the Northern Quarter in Manchester. Great venue uh, for sports. Really nice. They got MUTV, had the cricket on and whatnot. I had a couple of United fans behind me saying various things about Fred and then burst out laughing when Fred scored the goal. <laughs> Great goal as well, wasn't it? It was fantastic. I like, I'm yeah. getting carried away, yeah? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think one thing that really stuck out, well, one, Jaden Sancho on the right-hand side, fantastic. Absolutely the sort of thing I've, I've wanted to have in Manchester United for ages. And he once again showed that, yeah, he's not the fastest winger, but in terms of decision-making and very quickly processing those information, he's one of the best young players in the world. He very often does the right thing at the right time over and over and over again. Something that also impressed me with Palestra and Ahmad during that goal was they were really, really thinking about, okay, when do I play the correct pass? Do I do it now? Do I do it now? When do I release the ball? That was quite nice. Uh, they were playing sort of inverted fullbacks. So Dalo and Shaw would come into the half space or central areas to help progress the ball, which is very Ajax style. Scott McTominay was playing as the deepest midfielder. Um, he, again, started brightly in the first 10 minutes, but then some of the old tendencies that Scott McTominay has creeped in a little bit but he, you know traded water pretty well there I thought uh, he put one and, in on Milner as well really didn't good. he sorry to interrupt yeah, just, yeah. I just, when you were saying Scott McTominay I was like yeah you're spot on there but I just thought he like put one in on Milner then Milner put one back on him and I was like this is a pre-season friendly but it still has that edge a little bit which I think Scott McTominay always brings so yep um, and, and Martial Martial's pressing was really good and you know I've, I think I've said I'm a retired Martial FC fan on this podcast coming out of retirement oh, I was a half an hour where I went hang on maybe I should get my membership card out get out the shredder it, it, it was it was, Sell it, was a nice together. it was a nice performance I will say in the first 20 minutes Liverpool probably were the better team and there were two or three attacks Liverpool had especially you know on the counter attack where I went if this was a full strength Liverpool side they probably would have scored Luis Diaz in particular had Dallo I'm not going to say on toast but on warmed bread yeah there you go <laughs> Uh, but I, I I enjoyed it, and it was one of those things where I'm going. I, I this is nice. This is the first time in a long time where I can just enjoy watching Manchester United play. Do you know what I thought was odd as well? Post match, Laurie, Jurgen Klopp said that Manchester United's aggressive man marking style in midfield caused them problems. I'm struggling to remember a reference point similar to that from a manager post match talking about a Manchester United team, not necessarily that particular aspect but something like that picking out a certain aspect in the tactical plan that's caused the team problems I was encouraged by that yeah um, I mean to be honest that's something that I hadn't spotted so you know obviously these guys that I paid a lot of money um, you know to manage these teams obviously do instantly see those kind of things and I suppose you know, just reflecting back on that Scott McTominay thing you know he, he was hard in on you know, his opposition player, I suppose, whenever they had the ball, Fred as well. I think what, what I, qu I did quite like, yeah, there was, there was moments where Liverpool cut through United and you perhaps would look back on it and go, OK, well, that's, you know, poor positional play in, in some regard. But the fact that actually overall the balance between risk and reward in their positional play paid off. So, you know, that is why Fred was up there in a position to chip Alisson from, you know, 20 yards when, I mean, I, you know, it was, it was glorious watching it in action um, and then you sort of see it back on replay and you're like how's he even seen that through the crowd of people but I think that was the, the yeah as you say a, a really interesting tactical idea clearly Ten Hag has, has put that into them and I'd, I'd just go back to this training session it'd be fantastic if 
United, I know they're not going to do it on a regular basis because they don't want to give their secrets away, but at the same time, it really does help you know, media fans understand what they're trying to do when you can see a live you know, training session and be that up close with it. Because I think Ten Hag, the little drills that he was doing, you could see the triangles, he, he, he stopped one of the drills, you know, the eight on three, to say, actually, um, you know, you need two people in the middle, you need to create triangles, that's the principle, in a kind of aggressive manner. He pulled up Jaden Sancho, he pulled up Aaron Wan-Bissaka to drive inside, as Carl mentioned, the inverted fullbacks. And, you know, they obviously, James Sancho's performance after that, he wasn't he wasn't cowed by Ten Hag calling him out in front of you know ten thousand people in the stands. Everyone heard it. Um, he was actually, it seemed to me, inspired. So, you know, hopefully that's that bodes well for the future. I think one thing that's also really struck me was so this is you know, Manchester United's first tour since two thousand nineteen, more or less, and this was the first sort of open training session we've seen with Manchester United since about then. You know, Ten Hag is a tracksuit manager. He will want to lead training. Day, on a daily basis, week to week, and, and want to do that. And we know, you know, Ralph Rang delegated a lot of training to Chris Armas and had that weird system of information being fed in via AirPods. We know um, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer mostly left training to, to Kieran McKenna and Michael Carrick. Jose Mourinho mostly left training to Rui Fari. This is, it's one, this is quite nice to watch. It's two, this is the first time we've seen a training session in a long time. And three, it's the first time we've seen a Manchester United manager take training in such a long time that I could, yeah, if you're not a Manchester United fan, I can imagine you might look at what's currently going on. Why are you so impressed with what appears to be basic, in air quotes, modern football? But I think if you're, if you're a Manchester United fan, this is all new. This is all quite exciting. And yeah, don't get carried away, but also nod your head a bit. Have a smile on your face. This is refreshing. Yeah, you want it to continue, don't you? You had a taste of it and you want it to carry on like this. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Andy, one interesting aspect from training, and Laurie's written extensively about it on The Athletic, if people want to go and read more about the open session and all the different moments in there, was also the personnel who were in his backroom team and Darren Fletcher being one of those. Is he going to be a part of it now, do we think? I think Darren will. I think there'll be more additions to his backroom team. I think there's been some clarity about um, Mick Phelan. He is not going to be assistant manager anymore. That was uh, something which hung in a, in, in a flux for a couple of weeks. Um, I think the club would like to retain him in some way. Uh, maybe that might be an ambassadorial role, but he's very highly regarded by a lot of the people at Manchester United, and, and rightly so, in my opinion. Um, Ten Hag's training, someone said to me, it's actually quite similar to Kieran McKenna and Solskjaer sessions, and and that was said as a as a compliment, and was also said to me that it's going to take time. You you know we're not getting carried away. 
with the Liverpool four 0 no. <laughs> no. But these things take time. Don't expect any miracle solutions overnight. And noted the formation, the four two three one. That was the one fancied by Solskjaer in the main. Good to see a manager on the grass. That's where he's strongest. That's where he'll earn the respect from his players. And Ferguson didn't really go on the grass a lot. He, he often left it to his lieutenants. I remember Carlos Quiero telling me a story. He turned up first day for training, expecting, well, he didn't know what to expect. Ferguson just said, they are, you take training today and every day. And he said it was like being handed the keys to a Ferrari, but he hadn't planned any training sessions. David Moyes tried to do everything. That was probably a fault of his. He tried to take training and do everything else. And at a club like United, you can't do everything. Um, Van Hall had a good team around him. Josie had his team taking the training sessions. So I've got no problem at all with what I'm hearing and seeing from Ten Hag on the training ground at the moment. Yes, he'll be judged by results. Yes, I still think he's got a massive job to do. Fans still want more signings. Um, what would success be for United this year? It's really hard to say. But uh, as Carl said, um, it's just nice to smile after watching it again because it was that bad last year. And some of my friends they're like we're not going people who travel on all these tours we're not going the club's in an absolute mess they've really got the hump with United at the moment they really have it's slightly different for us because we're journalists we, we get paid to do this and we can be United fans we can love the club we can want the team to win but some of the feedback I get from people who've gone home and away for years they're absolutely livid with the club they just are now none of them have got back to me today because they were moaning before the game yesterday and I know some of their personalities will be like and maybe after like three days they'll hear, yeah I heard Bangkok wasn't too bad then and that's what we're up against but I think there's a lot of players there and we've mentioned lots of them Sancho didn't have a great first season Martial's stock is probably at its lowest ever level I'd love these people to come good but almost if you're saying Martial's going to be United's main centre forward this year you're going to be ridiculed for it that's a decision of the manager. I don't know what he's decided. Um, the Ronaldo stuff is still in the air. We're probably not going to focus too much on that, and I'm glad of that because that's had too much much coverage. This is a good opportunity for the manager to see his players. Laurie was right mentioning Charlie Savage and Zidane Iqbal. Uh, they'll get chances to shine against really good opponents as well. Liverpool are not a bad football team, <laughs> and I know they played lots of different teams. Well, good. He had to play against three different Liverpool teams. More difficult than playing one. Even Tom Eaton, when he came on, did well. So, yeah, confidence was a major issue for Manchester United last year. And I saw, after the game, the players going back onto the team coach and their demeanour was the opposite when I last saw them outside Sellers Park on May the 22nd. That's not going to make United champions this year but it's a nice little pill to perk everybody up. Yeah, just picking up on one of the things Andy said um, there in terms of the, the coaching staff and the open training session and, and seeing how it all fitted together. I mean, Darren Fletcher came over beforehand and had a little a chat with a few other journalists. It was nice to see him. I think his role is, is kind of going to you know, continue to be a little bit what it was last season, bridge between the 21s and the first team. So obviously you had, you know, the likes of Iqbal and Savage over there, plus Garnacho, Hannibal, you know, so that's his kind of domain, I suppose, sort of seeing which players can step into the first team picture. Um, but Steve McLaren, I was kind of impressed with, you know, it's been a long time since he's kind of, we've seen him on the grass, um, but you could see that he's obviously a very talented coach, um, had a nice air about him, was cracking jokes, was definitely instilling 
uh, ma making sure the players were doing the press ups when they when they you know, lost various different challenges uh, and had a bit of a glint in his eye at, at doing so. Quite often spoke to Ten Hag as well, which I thought, okay, so they were only together for a year at 20. I wasn't sure how strong that bond would be, but you could sense certainly that they had a good relationship. And then Mitchell van der Gaag, <laughs> I still think he's like a Bond villain. You know, he's kind of got that air of menace about him. Um, so he was overseeing the other group. It's the glasses, isn't it? It was good. Yeah, he wasn't actually wearing glasses, I don't think, on, for the, for the training. I don't think he was. I could be wrong. Um, but it was, you could see how it all functioned together, and that was, that was you know, good. And, I'd, and just one thing on the, the fact that Tanagi is probably more involved than Solskjaer was, than Ranić was, is that going to mean that the players you know, are more willing to listen to him then when he's on the touchline and having a go at them? You know, and can, I, I don't know, listen, it, there's different ways of doing it, but you know, Ferguson used to come in, didn't he, at those moments, and that would really give players a jolt you know, and kind of think, oh, right, no, now it's serious that, that Ferg is involved. But I wonder if the modern era, they kind of want somebody that's, that's sort of always like that and, and kind of, you know, so it, it kind of feels um, perhaps a bit more authentic and, and, and lasting. I don't know. But um, they were just some of the things that I, I thought were really interesting that I picked up. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure people will be interested to read uh, your takeaway on The Athletic from that training session. Also, Liam Tharm as well has broken down everything with an article on there, which is a very interesting read too. Um, but of course, it wasn't just about watching Manchester United train and play in Bangkok, was it, Laurie? You've been out and about, and here's a flavour of your chats with local fans and sampling the best that the Thai capital has to offer. Hi, I'm Nick from The Standard, basically a news uh, online news organization here in Thailand. Yeah, I'm Nat from Dubai with Nat, the channel from Thailand. Great, so you're, you guys are in, in the press uh, section, obviously, for the game uh, tomorrow. Um, but can you just talk a little bit about what this occasion means to people in Thailand? Because it's the first time um, in the history of our, our country. Uh, there's never been a United versus Liverpool before, so here is a big occasion for our country. And you've seen that with the interest, I mean, 10,000 here today, um, even though tickets are very expensive, right? You know, since the COVID-19 situation, people have been in lockdown. All we can do is like stay at home and watch the highlight replay and replay and replay. And right now we actually see the new era of Manchester United come here to Bangkok and actually see Ten Hag like a managing style in person. So I think it's generated a lot of excitement in Thailand, especially in Bangkok here. People are coming and, you know, some people have been talking about the the price of the ticket to come in but uh, after I talked to a few people that actually paid for the ticket and to be here in person and seeing it they say it's worth every penny to see this experience for yourself What's your name? First Rooney. Of all? Rooney Rooney Oh Rooney Yeah like Rooney <laughs> Yeah Rooney. Not spelled the same <laughs> No not different spelling Okay lovely yeah. no, I paid uh, 20,000 Thai baht right, okay. to get here Yeah wow. for the very first day Wow Yeah I'm a big fan of United yeah. so okay, personally okay. it's fine but in general I mean in Thailand that's a lot of money yeah. you know that's one month salary wage for, for someone yeah. I mean yeah if it's lower than this like the stadium would fill with people. Right, okay. There's a lot of people out there who doesn't have money to come here and, and who is a big fan of both teams, I yeah. would say. Hello, so I'm here with... Nati. And Nati, you're here at the um, Athene Hotel where Manchester United are staying. Um, can you just sort of tell me why you're here today? I'm here because I want to support them. And how, um, how long have you been following Manchester United and how much does it mean to have them in Thailand, in, in your, your home country? Yes, uh, I follow them around 20 years. And you've got all the, you've got all the merchandise. You've not got the new, new shirt yet, though? 
Yes, I have a new shirt. Oh, you do? Yeah. <laughs> is that for the game? You're saving that for the game? Yes. <laughs> is this it? is my first time watching them live playing. Amazing. Yeah, so it's it's amazing. So it's just like a deep dream come true, I would say. Yeah, so it means a lot. People yeah. are sort of wondering why do they go on these tours, but we can see here today they've got a lot of fans here that obviously have passion it, for them. Exactly, exactly. It, like I, I think Thai fans would love to see like both teams, there's a big team, yeah. and and I think it's gonna be amazing. Yeah, it looks great. Um, and is it everything you hoped it would be? Any particular favorites? Anything that you've seen so far in training that caught your eye? Right, right now it's just like it's good. It's going great. I I saw the new manager Ten Hag. I think he'll do amazing here, and. We're gonna win this, I think. What, this match? Yeah. <laughs> Let's not go too far. The title might be a little bit beyond reach here this okay. season. <laughs> but I like it, enthusiasm. Yeah. Rooney, thanks so much for your time. Really appreciate thank it. Thank you. Thank you. Who's your favorite player? I love Cristiano Ronaldo. Yeah. And everyone, I love. Actually, I love everyone. Is it a bit of a shame that Cristiano Ronaldo is not here, or do you do you understand why? Uh, it's okay. It, it's okay that he doesn't he doesn't come here. Uh, I think everyone understand him. Yeah. And will you be at the game on Tuesday? Yes, I will be there. And if, did you manage to get any players to sign anything? Have you said hello or got any pictures with any players? I, I saw I got, David De Gea. I got, I got Brian Robson. So wait, you, so you were just in the crowd and Brian Robson just gave you his hat? I, I just gave him a hat and he, he signed. Oh, he, yeah, he signed your hat. I see. Oh, I see. Yes, of course. Brilliant. Love it. Well, thank you so much for speaking to me. Thank you too. Cristiano Ronaldo, he's not here. Is that disappointing for, for you know Thai fans that he's not come? Obviously, there's you know personal reasons that we've been spoken about, but also the wider context is that he wants to leave the club. Is, is that disappointing that he's not here? Um, for for me, I think almost the fans in Thailand are waiting for Cristiano. Um, he is their idol. He's a role model. So um, the thing he's coming is, uh, like I said before, heartbroken. For, for Thai fans, but we share the team, Laurie, and, and we support the team. So we have to support uh, Rashi, we have to support Anthony, we have to uh, support Fred, Scott, uh, Raphael, and everyone, and also the newcoming, Chero Malaysia. The players will come and go, but the club will always be there, and the supporter will always be there. But uh, I'm actually talking around a lot to all the fans, Chelsea, Liverpool fans. Even before, when I was in the stadium, I was talking to the fans of Liverpool, they were like, Where's Ronaldo? And I was like, you know, that's the kind of question that the international media has been asking Eric Ten Hag a lot and hasn't get any answer. So I can answer you as well. But, but he actually said that, uh, you know, we, we're, not, we're not making jokes here. We actually, Liverpool fans, we want to see him as well. He's, the, you know, the star, of the, the star of the sport. He's actually transcend the sport in many ways. So the Liverpool fans is like, yeah. They kind of feel sad as well that he is not here. And I actually believe that all the fans of the game actually feel kind of sad that he isn't here. You know, when, when all this kind of tour happens, it's not only about the game. It's about, you know, the, the activities, the signings, the memories that they will share with the players that are here. Great to get a sample of that, Laurie. It's interesting that the fans felt disappointed, even if they were Liverpool supporters, not to see Ronaldo. Um, I don't know how fans here really feel about it. There's not, I don't think there's the same type of sadness, but you can understand that because it's their opportunity to see him up close, personal in the flesh, wasn't it? Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, the atmosphere last night was um, 
you know, you had Liverpool versus United, you had songs, you know, for, for both teams. But obviously it was a more pleasant atmosphere than you'd expect at an actual Manchester United v Liverpool game, um, where it would be probably more febrile, you know, Anfield or Old Trafford. So yeah, that, that was their opportunity to see Cristiano Ronaldo wasn't there. So, you know, there's disappointment there. Um, it was the question that was asked in the press conference over at Ten Hag, um, as, as uh, one of the lads mentioned there, that, you know, we didn't really get any answers on what, you know, would ultimately happen. Ten Hag said he wasn't uh, for sale. But he hadn't yet spoken to him, which I found surprising. I don't know what you guys think. You know, either way, either he calling him or Ronaldo, you know, calling Ten Hag. Um, there is, you know, this uh, family issue that we're, we're talking about, so you have to acknowledge that. But yeah, as I say, the, the wider context being that he wants to depart, so you sort of think, would there be an opportunity to have a conversation just about that? Um, and that was a kind of interesting aspect of the press conference. Very clipped, very short with his answers, as we know Eric Ten Hag is. But he did give a stare down to one journalist uh, at one point in, in the questioning. Um, when it, there was a bit of a misunderstanding, I think, as to whether he'd spoken to him or not, and because you know these questions kept coming, Ten Hag was a bit, I, I sensed a bit irritated, and he, you know, rather than you know elaborate more, he, he kind of sort of said what he wanted to say, and then you know put the glare down, um, and it was only broken because you know people started going kind of laughing really, and, and Ten Hag then sort of relaxed, and you know, it, it, I, I quite like that though, you know, authority, I, I like it. Yeah. But yeah, the, the Ronaldo thing, listen, we'll, we'll probably you know keep talking about it for a, you know, a few more weeks yet. Um, if he stays, if he goes, it has left the door open for Anthony Martial to kind of stake a bit more of a claim uh, on this pre-season tour. You know, when he probably started the summer as somebody that United would look to offload with it for a bit of money. Um, but no, the, the kind of it was great being around Thai fans. You know, in the stands, there was lots of people really enjoying it, and I think that kind of gave me a, a real appreciation of why you know clubs do these kind of tours. Yes, obviously it's a commercial endeavour. You know, they want to you know, broaden out their, their global fan base. But there are people here who have genuine affection for the club and, you know, enjoy the fact that they've actually come over here. So it was, it was kind of heartwarming to see. Yeah, and of course you visited uh, a 24-metre, or 42-metre, was it, lying down Buddha statue at a temple in Bangkok <laughs> as well. Uh, that was an interesting Instagram post. If, if, it, if it's not on the gram, did it even happen? That's, that's my question. It was um, the choice of having a selfie with the statue as opposed to just taking a picture and marvelling at the statue. That's, that's what everyone was doing. A, an yeah, icon I just, to people. Yeah, good point. I suppose I should have kept my ugly mug out of it. Two icons in one picture. <laughs> I did also uh, bang the dong that they had there. But it's, it, I mean, the, 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 the kind of architecture is, you know, the, 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 I think it's 16th, uh, 17th century. Uh, very ornate, you know, beautiful to look at. So it was, it was nice to have a little walk around. A little bit different to Kosan Road, um, <laughs> which was a Sunday night endeavour, um, which was a different kind of, you know, sampling of the local delicacies such as fish bowls. Um, I know Talk of Devils listeners are always after what we're drinking. Um, it, it was. You're uh, drinking fish bowls. Was it well, Malia 2007 it, all over it, again? It, well, listen, when it, when it's you know 350 baht, which is what I think like less, you know, like eight, eight seven, eight quid. Um, you know, it's a, it's a cheap way to kind of just enjoy. Fish bowls. By yourself? Not by myself. Everyone was out. Oh, do you mean just right. that I drunk? The whole pack was out. It was a lovely mix Are you of different people. Are a solo fishbowl? No, no, no. That would be that would be way too much. Um, I'm just gonna have to push You'd the fishbowl out of shot now, aren't I? <laughs> uh, uh, but no, I tell you what, I did sample as well that you might be impressed by a scorpion on a stick. Oh, a barbecued scorpion. Well, they, they came round with them, and I think maybe this is the result of the fishbowl. Um, you know, that the, the Dutch courage was enhanced, uh, and it was obviously very cheap, and so people were egging me on. You know, sod it, I'll have a, I'll have a scorpion. <laughs> so I felt like I was in, I'm a celebrity, get me out of here, you know, the jungle. Not the celebrity bit, the eating of the random food. Well, you, uh, you said it, mate. Uh, and obviously now we're going to Australia, <laughs> aren't we? That's the next leg, so we'll see if there's any kangaroo testicles or, or whatnot. But uh, just for... Uh, 
brief synopsis for the people that are obviously uh, dying to know. Uh, it was barbecue kind of flavour, fine to eat, but a bit chewy. <laughs> okay, ever sampled a scorpion, Andy? No, I've not, and I'm not going to offer much on the drink perspective because uh, I came <laughs> here through Saudi Arabia where obviously alcohol is a no-no and, and I knew that. And then after having met some good United fans there, I went to Islamabad and alcohol was also a no-no there and I sort of knew that as well. And then I got to Bangkok and I'd been here for one hour and a, a note was pushed under my hotel door saying, as from midnight tonight, there will be a 24-hour alcohol ban. And I'm very respectful of the laws of the countries which I'm in, but I do feel like someone's chasing me around, making sure that I never drink any alcohol. Because the first time I would have been able to drink it would have been like the minute that the ban started. And I'm leaving for Australia myself via the Philippines on uh, Thursday. I think we're all losing track of days at the moment. <laughs> Actually, the Philippines, Andy. Yeah, I'm going through the Philippines, mate. I am going through there. <laughs> of course you are. And then I'm going to arrive in, uh, in Melbourne. I'm just going to go straight to the bar in the airport before I have my passport checked, <laughs> before they oh, let me in the country. Do you want to wait for me to give you the Castlemaine yeah. you know, at your hotel? Yeah. I'll be there with the pie. I think in uh, Victoria, <laughs> it's VB. I think Castlemaine is Brisbane, and I'm sure Australians are going to pick us up on this, but VB and, and Foster's doesn't really exist, I don't think, in Australia. So They do not drink Foster's in Australia. They are very vocal about that they don't sit in hats with corks dangling off it and drink it either do they with kangaroos saying like throw another shrimp on the barbie 24 hours a day yeah in fact we've been <laughs> it's amazing we've been it? told it's freezing in uh in melbourne we're not quite freezing but but really cold definitely raining i've seen a, a lot about that whereas bangkok's hot it's a big city i really like bangkok actually it's changed so much since i first came here in 95 on the coastal road where laurie's mentioning it's just a boom city and I've come probably every three or four years on average and it's a re really good place but it is a low season here which means hotels are great value but it rains, it rained before the game, it rained during um, the game but I was impressed by the, 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 the Thai United fans Laurie spoke to and just, you, you meet intelligent fans here, it's not just all about oh we want to see Ronaldo, clearly it's a big draw for a lot of people but a lot of the United fans I meet, they, they follow United week in week out and They'll follow United, whether Ronaldo's there or not in the future. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Uh. 
So that was Bangkok on Tuesday then and our reflections of Manchester United against Liverpool and all that it brought in Bangkok as well. But as Andy sampled, he had quite a journey getting over to Thailand. So here is Andy Mitten's meandering journey from Barcelona to Bangkok. He asked me if I'd seen a road with so much dust and sand and I said, listen... I've traveled every road in this here land I've been everywhere, man I've been everywhere, man Across the deserts, bare man I breathe the mountain air, man I've traveled, I've had my share, man I've been everywhere I'm traveling to Bangkok the long way via Jeddah, the second biggest city in Saudi Arabia and Islamabad, the capital of Pakistan, and I said I was doing that on this podcast, and United fans kindly came forward and said, let's meet, and Aziz was uh, kind enough to pick me up from the airport in Jeddah. I wanted to break my journey up, I didn't fancy getting too much jet lag, and I had like 16 hours in Jeddah, of which eight of them were spent sleeping. But I've had a good look around here. Aziz, what's your greatest moment as a United fan? <sighs> Winning the Champions League in 2008. When yeah. did you watch that? Uh, I watched it live with my with my friends in a sport lounge, big sport lounge. Yeah. And there were Chelsea fans there as well. Yeah, my my close friend is uh, Chelsea, the Chelsea fan. He was very 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 upset at this time. He didn't uh, t- uh, talk for two days after the match. Saudi Arabia is a big football country, isn't it? I came here with Manchester United in 2008. There was a 60,000 crowd. It's changed a lot since I came last time. I know that you're in the World Cup finals this year. Would you go to that? Yeah, I'll uh, I'll go to the first match against Argentina. <laughs> so against Messi, against uh, well-developed uh, Argentina team with Scaloni. But uh, World Cup is World Cup, you know. We are excited. We don't have uh, any expectation, but I think it will be a better World Cup uh, than before. Many Saudis will uh, will go to Qatar, especially it's uh, very close to us, and uh, we have an easy access to Qatar. So, yeah, it will be. I think it will be a beautiful World Cup. This one. I'm also with uh, Adam. Adam's mother is from the north of Scotland, and Adam's father is from. Saudi Arabia. Describe Manchester United support here in, in Jeddah. Uh, as uh, as he's mentioned, uh, it's massive support that's here. Uh, obviously, they support Real Madrid and Barcelona are the two big main teams here. Obviously, due to Messi and Ronaldo when they were there and those teams. Uh, but as far as English team goes, it's Man United. Then other teams depend on different uh, decades or different times of football. With Arsenal and Thierry and me, then Chelsea and the Mourinho days, then with City now and Liverpool due to Mo Salah. We're on a really wide uh, boulevard. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven lanes each way. There's a lot of construction going on, lots of new towers. Uh, it's very modern. There's lots of Western brands here. I've gone past places like lots of Starbucks, cinemas. I sense a real change from when I was last here uh, in Riyadh to see United. 
one you can just turn up and get in the, the country now and two the whole crowd was wearing those beautiful white robes what was the right word for them uh thorps okay thorps yeah. is society changing here yes it is a lot it's a big, yes yeah. a big difference some of the changes that are happening here are happening in other countries as well with the newer generation and the social media and the grow and the growing social media that has uh, that's evident to see what are the main changes in society since you, know, you were a teenager well uh, the openness uh, lesser restrictions I guess uh, there's more access to like TV you're able to see more football the internet obviously so there's been a big improvement with the aim I guess to sub to mirror what's happening in Dubai so it's good like uh, it's something that's exciting to happen is it ever cold here by the way define cold well where you've got to wear a coat do you own a coat I do yes because I do have to go to Britain so you only have have you ever worn a coat in Saudi Arabia well yes but uh, rarely rarely yes and it's not a heavy coat like the coldest I guess it'll get nowadays here is 20 that's class as cold here 20, 18 at night something like that I think we're coming up to the airport now it's absolutely huge just imagine like the opposite of Manchester airport one of them functions and <laughs> one of them doesn't at all so uh, thanks for looking after me and showing me around your city can I have a prediction for Manchester United this season league finish and any cups it's hard that was a big size yeah it's it's hard to predict but I think uh, I, I won't say we'll win a league it's uh, it's hard especially with the city city is so strong Liverpool and even Tottenham with Conte Chelsea uh, Arsenal is uh, also doing well in the transfers. Where are we going to finish? Top four. Any trophies? FA Cup. Adam? Uh, I hope at least fourth. My head says probably fifth. We'll just lose out because I feel Liverpool and City will be top two. Spurs, I feel they might be third. And then fourth place is up for grabs between Chelsea Arsenal and us. As for the Cups, mm, I'll be optimistic and say we'll win one. Maybe if we 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 actually are serious in the Europa League, we might win that. I'm glad none of you've mentioned Newcastle United as well, boys, because I know that their takeover was a source of pride. Let's hope that Newcastle finish 14th this season as we come into the South Terminal or the North Terminal trusting you to get me to the right place so I can carry on my journey towards Bangkok for United's first game. I've now travelled on to Islamabad, the capital, but not the biggest city in Pakistan. And there's an official supporters club in this country. A lot of the members are based in Lahore, run really well by Ishmael. And he's driven here with a couple of the boys. I've actually uh, come from Lahore to Islamabad and we've driven four and a half hours uh, to come and meet Andy, who we are, we're all a, a big fan of. And obviously his work is amazing. And we hope... Stop talking about me. I've yeah. come here to talk about you, boys. Yes. 
tell me about United support in this country. United support is the biggest in this country. So uh, it's bigger than Liverpool. Every every other club. Are there any City fans here? Just uh, one or two. No, no, five. Don't be harsh. Five. Yeah. <laughs> How are you feeling about United at the moment? At the moment, obviously, we all we're all optimistic. We hope for the best, and hopefully, Eric Ten Hag can help us reclaim the heights that we once were at. How difficult it is being a Pakistani United fan getting to England to watch matches. You told me you have had twelve fans have applied for tickets for Brighton, but yes. it's not that straightforward. It's expensive. How much is yes. it? So it's about £2,500, all inclusive, obviously, flights, accommodation and also the, the, the visa fees as well. So it's not, it's not easy at all. And obviously, to apply any visa, you need about 50, 60 lakh in your account as well, which is Pakistani rupees. So that, that's a lot of money just to show the UK embassy, actually, that, that uh, the, the person can accommodate for all the costs. So uh, it's, it's not easy at all. And obviously, we have around 120 fans who go every year to Manchester. Who's been rejected for a visa here? Right. I hope that someone from the Home Office is listening to this. Why did they reject you? They said my payment terms were not complete. My, what does that mean? The structure of my financials was not, was not right, but it was right. I checked it a million times. That just sounds like absolute twaddle. So you, yeah. had, you could have gone to Manchester. You had a I ticket could have gone, for a game. I had a ticket at the Stratford end. It was a game for United versus Spurs. Mourinho was in charge for Spurs. Yeah. This was November 2019, but yeah. I didn't get the visa. I must say, in mitigation, for me to get into this country, I've had to tell the Pakistani authorities my life story, and then they ask for even more information. So it, it can be... Uh, what I think they need to do is just drop it on both sides and make an exemption. If you're going to watch football, or if it's football-related, visa-free travel. Finally, how are you feeling about Manchester United this season? Can you tell listeners on Talk of the Devils podcast, where will United finish this season? I think United is going to finish in the top four this time. And I have a really positive feeling about the new manager. And it's going to be really good for Manchester United. The good times are going to come back. I think we need a top four spot for sure. Another year in the Europa League will not cut it. Uh, any finish below top four is a failure for us. And we, were, we wouldn't stand for that. Top four, I guess. It's a new orange dawn. And under Ten Hag, we're going to get top four for sure. Top three. You're wearing a Glazer family T-shirt. You must really support the Glazer family. No, I'm joking. I don't actually, but uh, I do think we're going to finish third. Do you? Yeah. Um, your top is beautiful. That was the blue shirt from 87, 88. Yeah. Why did you buy that? Yeah. I just like how it looks. That reminds me of Norman Whiteside scoring two at Southampton on the opening day of the season. You're the man who picked me up from the airport at one o'clock in the morning. Thank you very much from all my family. Where United finishing this season? Anytime, Andy. I think they'll do well to finish third, but I just want to watch us play good football again, I think. Is that what it's about this season? Yeah, for me at least, because I couldn't bear the football that we saw. I mean, even if we finish outside the top four, it's about us competing in big games and playing good football and whatever position comes along with it will take it. I think I, all of us understand it's going to take some time catching up to the other sides in the league. So start off playing with good football, get players in who want to play for the shirt and then yeah, we'll take it on from there. I've had a great day here. I'm going to head on to Bangkok now. Um, the food was wonderful. I hope my bowels agree with that and don't let me down on that. And I'll join you from Bangkok. I've been everywhere, man. Across the desert, there, man. I breathe the mountain air, man. I've traveled, I've had my share, man. I've been everywhere.
Andy, I thought it was going to be weird and wonderful, and it sort of was, wasn't it? But how fascinating to meet Manchester United fans who are so engaged with the club in these places. Loved it. Absolute pleasure. Glad that I went to meet the, the Reds in Jeddah and then to Islamabad. Um, a lot of the Reds who came to see me in Islamabad, they drove from Lahore. They drove four hours. I felt pretty humbled by that. And it was really interesting for me just to learn about Pakistan, about the history, about the food, about the culture, to see it with my own eyes. I like travelling and, and meeting people. And I, I'm, I'm glad that I did it. And Manchester United makes all of this possible. And some of the stories that the Pakistani Reds were telling me, you know, they go, they go to Manchester. And it's not just about getting a ticket that's a problem. They routinely get rejected for visas. The High Commission looks and says, you've not got enough money in your bank. Like, I have. I've got a good job. I've worked hard, I've saved up for a dream of a lifetime and it's not always possible. So makes you think sometimes, you know, I'm, I grew up two miles from Old Trafford. Very, very easy just to get to a game. And there are a lot of people for whom it's absolutely not easy. And uh, my respect for them absolutely went up and it was, it was a really good experience before, before getting to Bangkok. And it, it broke the journey up for me as well. I lasted long goal just before COVID and I got really bad jet lag and that's one of the reasons why why I did it as well. I'm, I'm glad that I did. Great to hear, Carl, as well, that fans in these places are engaged with not just Manchester United, but with The Athletic, the coverage that you write and this podcast as well. <laughs> uh, I don't want to toot my own horn a little bit, but I do always find it remarkable that people outside my immediate friend circle and family also read my uh, esoteric ramblings <laughs> on football. Uh, I, I had a similar experience to Andy when I, when I was in Nigeria of just talking to Manchester United fans and they were saying, oh yeah, we read The Athletic all the time, we love talking to the levels, we love this. And I was like, oh yeah, this is... Manchester United is such a broad church. And I think it's amazing that your love of a football team can connect you with so many people around the world, some of whom, you know, different cultures, different languages, different everything, really. Uh, but you can all come together for a two-hour period and cheer on the Reds. So yeah, I love it. I absolutely love it. I'll love it less when the team is bad, but they won 4-0. I'm not going to get carried away, so I love it. <laughs> and now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. You all right, Laurie? Yeah, look at his head. <laughs> What's he? I've seen his socks. I've seen his hair. I've seen shorts. I've seen several different backdrops. I've seen confused looks. <laughs> I'll give him a minute because he could do with being on this bit, really. We're nearly there, though, lads, anyway. Yes, I thought he just needed power. It looks like he needs divine intervention. Don't oh. Anyway, he's back now. It's not worked. Sorry. Right. L- Laurie, we've, we've got De Jong to talk about and that's it. Okay, let's do, let's do De Jong quickly. Yeah, we can do it. Yeah? Yeah.
Okay, at this point, I feel like there should be some sort of theme music playing because we're going to talk about Frankie de Jong again. Um, surprise, surprise. Laurie has written about the latest this week on The Athletic. You've probably seen it by now with David Ornstein. Manchester United have sent a delegation to Barcelona. There's shades of Ed Woodward coming home from the pre-season tour to do some business from a few years ago, but this time they're hoping it will make the breakthrough. Is that right? Yeah, um, theme music Jaws, maybe. <laughs> you know, the kind of impending it's, sense it's going of, that way isn't it of doom yeah dread well I mean I think I think the fact they're both out there and Andy will know um, Barcelona better than I do and, and the, you know perhaps the reasons for the trip but you know they're out there to finalise this Frankie Young deal aren't they um, you know, they've met with Barcelona executives um, so they wouldn't do that go all that way without the sense that they could complete the deal right you know um, I know you're saying that United have had a history of, of doing that before and not coming away successful but I do feel like this one's a bit different you've got Barcelona as, as willing sellers no matter what Juan Laporta says publicly um, you've got Frankie de Jong who I think would be open to the move uh, you know, albeit you know, perhaps reluctantly and, and perhaps um, with the... There's more doubt on that now, though, than ever, isn't there? I, I know, Considering possibly. the way the stories are going. Yeah, I know. And obviously, I was, I was with you on the Athletic podcast with Paul Ballas, and, you know, he's very well informed um, and said that was kind of the crucial aspect. But I don't know, I kind of feel like if you've got a club that are pushing you out the door, you've got a club that really wants you, you've got a manager that you've, we've worked under before, clearly, as long as they can solve this kind of small issue of 18 million euros or whatever it is in, in kind of deferred wages that he's owed from Barcelona, then you know, that is a reason why anybody on this planet would want to stay uh, currently employed by you know, somebody that owed him that kind of money. So, um, But I do, I do feel that you know, the fact that they've gone out there, it's clearly to thrash out whatever... Um, kind of compromise they can come to with Barcelona because it's basically Barcelona saying well that's that's on you you know he's, he's going to be your player you you pick that tab up and they're saying well no that was the agreement you struck with him it's it's on you so clearly there's some kind of negotiation going on on that regard um, and and you know from a number of weeks ago I think you know United accepted that that was the main sticking point from from their point of view but listen maybe then it is up to Frankie de Jong and that could still um, not quite be what he wants and and that would be uh, a, a big thing for United because this is the player that Eric Ten Hag has had as his number one it feels like he would transform the midfield and United's business was kind of uh, designed to work around it you know that was the big expense for the budget you know that everything else is kind of an offshoot of that you know Lisandro Martinez which the price with Ajax is, is going up and up uh, you know Christian Eriksen will you know uh, join at some point Taron Last is the other one that they've got through the door but Frankie de Jong is the crucial, the jewel in the crown, really, of, of what Ten Hag wants to do this summer. And, and if it doesn't happen, then it, it would be a bit of a disaster. So um, the pressure's on, for sure. But I think that's why they've gone over there to try and get it done. Yeah, Andy, this feels a quite pivotal in Manchester United summer, this particular transfer. And I think also the sense of this being a new era for United. I mentioned Woodward before, but obviously it's Richard Arnold now, John Murtagh as well. They want a different narrative as well, don't they? They want to be the ones going over to Barcelona to get this deal done and over the line and not being coming back empty-handed like people have in the past to make people feel more positive and feel like a new era is different? I think if you ask Frankie de Jong now, would you like to stay in Barcelona? He would, he would say yes, and so would his partner. Barca would like to sell him because they want the money. United will be fine with the fee. There's issues which we've spoken about. Um, it, it's taken time. It's going to take some more time. I think it will come down to Barcelona's board putting pressure on Xavi Hernandez, the manager, who likes Frankie de Jong and Xavi basically saying, I'm under pressure to sell you. We brought other midfielders in. Uh, you might not get the same opportunities. And as soon as a player hears that, they think, I'm not wanted here 100%. I hear a lot of United fans saying, if you don't want to come, forget about him, move on to someone else. 
I don't really buy that line. I think if Frankie de Jong did move, he would be ultra-professional and adapt because that's what professional footballers do. And it's also nice to be desired as well by one of the biggest clubs in the world. But look at it from his perspective. He's playing Champions League football. He's living in a brilliant city where he's completely happy, playing for a club which he's dreamed of playing off in a, a region he used to go on holiday to all of the time. You've got, And he signed a contract. You don't just sign a contract for a laugh. He's absolutely entitled to have... His opinion, he shouldn't be forced to go anywhere. And I don't think he's being forced, but this is football. And in the same way as if Cristiano Ronaldo really wanted to force his way out, he probably could do. And if Football Club Barcelona really push for him to go because they want the money and they do need the money, then he will probably go. People say to me, is he coming yes or no? I, I'm really reluctant to give a yes or no. I'd say it's a 60-40% chance <laughs> of, of him going in Manchester United's favour. So that's a yes then? Yeah. John and um, and Jordi Cruyff and Matteo Alemni have met each other before. So this is good that John Murtagh is meeting people like senior people at FC Barcelona. And they can talk about Frankie at the moment, but it's good to have these channels of communication, especially for John, who's relatively new to the job. It's all about contacts. And Barca and United, they should be doing business because there'll be times when one player wants a change and some United players might want to go to Barcelona in the future. So it's good that they're meeting each other face-to-face, that they're building up trust, they're building up a decent relationship. Maybe they can help each other in other ways. And I think we still might be talking about this in two, three, four weeks' time. And it is frustrating because you want to sign a player and you think uh, you want him to sign. But it isn't like buying a pair of shoes. It's not transactional immediately. There's so many different facets to it that we've been speaking about it for a month and we might be speaking about it in another month. Yeah, it definitely feels like we're going to be talking about it a lot. Hence why we need some sort of theme music. So talk of the devil's listeners, if you've got any sort of suggestion of the music we should play when the Frankie Dion section comes up in the podcast each week, then feel free to make a suggestion. And Laurie Whitwell has a finger in the air. Have you got a suggestion, Laurie? Well, no, it's just, I don't know, obviously talk of the devil's listeners couldn't see, but I was scrambling around for the last 10 minutes trying to plug my laptop in as it was uh, about to die. About like 15, 15. I've seen your socks, I've seen your shoulders, your hair, several well, backdrops, well, I mean, ho- plug sockets, you name I it. I come into the hotel lobby and there's loads of lamps that are plugged in and I'm trying all these different plugs and nothing's working I'm thinking it's my laptop dodgy anyway I found a plug that's attached to a wall and it's working so I'm sat down against a pillar congratulations uh, thank you uh, but no th- there is a, a reason for me putting my finger in the air just on the transfers it does sound like Lisandro Martinez is getting closer to uh, being agreed um, Ajax and United uh, are in talks um, sources from different sides are saying it's moving in the right direction and now Andy's got his finger in the air so what, what, are, you, what are you coming in with Andy just on, on Martinez <laughs> uh, he was weighing up basically Basically, Arsenal or Manchester United and uh, spoke to some people because he's got to form his own opinions and someone said to him Manchester United are a much bigger club you'd be signing for the manager you know the manager you trust the manager United are in a state of flux it's been a problem club uh, Arsenal obviously London which which can be attractive if you're not from the UK Arsenal have been better than Manchester United in the last year um, so he's got to make that decision, but I'm told um, more like uh, Manchester United from from his perspective. Although if if Eric Bailly keeps playing like that, then don't be needing any more defenders. Andy, can you say Carl now has his finger in the air, please? Carl's now got his finger in the air. <laughs> uh, yes, to continue this, I will say 
Harry Maguire has now been confirmed or reconfirmed as the club captain by Eric Ten Hag. And I think that slightly recolours what Ten Hag possibly wants to do with Alessandro Martinez. So we know Martinez, left-footed centre-back, can play in defensive midfield. But if Maguire is the captain, he's traditionally played left centre-back through most of the, his time at United. I That makes me think if Martinez does come in, he won't be left centre-back and he's more likely to play defensive midfield, which I will collate my thoughts on that later on if the deal is done and we'll say no more about it while we're waiting. Laurie does have his finger in the air now. This is quite fun. I'll be quick, I'll be quick. It was just on the position. The only thing I would add, Carl, is that all I've ever been told is that United see him as a centre-back. He sees himself as a centre-back. So it would be an interesting deviation from that to then go and put him in defensive midfield, which I know, you know, is a position United need. And listen, this finger-pointing <laughs> needs to stop because now Andy Mitten's got his finger in the air. And, you know, we'll hand it over to you, Andy. On Harry Maguire being captain... He was adamant he wanted to stay Manchester United captain. He felt the confidence that um, the manager would give him the captaincy. Uh, he's been vindicated because he's got the captaincy. I realise that a lot of United fans have got a downer on Harry Maguire at the moment. The only way they're going to not have a downer on him is by him improving his form. But I could say that about seven other players. He's named him as his captain. Uh, hopefully he's learned to be a better captain. I remember him not fronting up after the six. Uh, goal defeat by Spurs at Old Trafford uh, but he was in a good place before his injury in, in 2021 let's hope that he gets back to that place it's not nice to seem ridiculed and that's happening too often Right, no one has got the fingers in the air anymore so that seems a good place to leave the podcast thank you for being with us it was a longer talk of the devils than usual but a lot to get in of course and that was just Andy Mitten's journey to Bangkok <laughs> come for the details on the tour and a 4-0 win over Liverpool and stay for the fingers in the air at the end but don't forget you can subscribe to The Athletic for just £1 a month for the first six months just go to theathletic.com forward slash Man United pod but thank you Carl for being with us thank you Laurie and Andy as well and thank you for listening at home see you on the next one bye bye I'm going to go get carried away in an aircraft that was the, that was the, that was the gag I wanted to make but there we are <laughs> Athletic. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel.
Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. 